Sometimes doctors give bad advice. And if you take it, you could end up missing out on a lot of life. What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pestuch. I'm your host. Today's guest is my friend, Christy May Campbell. Christy is going to take you through the journey that she went on from having a knee that she was basically told was going to resign her to a wheelchair in her 30s to living a life that many people aspire to live. I really hope that you enjoy this podcast episode as much as I did. I've known Christy now for six years, and I hold her in very high regard for her honesty, her authenticity, and her vulnerability, and of course, her her attitude that she can accomplish things that other people told her that she can't. When you find this podcast valuable, please head to wherever you're listening to it and leave us a five-star rating. Write us a review if you have it in you, and make sure you share this with a friend. Finally, the last thing I would ask you to do is pause the podcast for a second. Whenever you decide this has been awesome, head to Christy's Instagram account, which is in the show notes, and tell her you appreciate it. I know that when you all do that, the guests who come on the show tell me about it and how it makes their day. So go tell Christy how much you appreciate her sharing her story with you so that she can understand beyond any shadow of a doubt that she added value to the world today. Let's get you to the show. What's up, Christy? How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. What makes what makes today so great? Uh today is actually a weird day. I woke up at two thirty in the morning and then didn't go back to sleep. Well, if it makes you feel any better, technically you woke up at five thirty in the morning because you're on West Coast time. I am, and, and that's like you're already late. Yeah, I'm a I'm a typically an early riser because I try to get a jump start on my day. It's not even something I brag about. It's just a necessity of my life right now. I wake up at four. I do about an hour of work, then I go to the gym, then I juggle kids, then I get to business. So it's like 4 a.m. is already like crazy early. But this morning I woke up at 2.30. I couldn't fall back asleep. I had things on my mind and I was like, let's go do them. And so I just did. So is it 7.30 bedtime tonight? Probably. uh, As soon as I can get my daughter in bed, I will go to sleep. Yeah. How old is she? She's four. Mm, Okay. That'll be, yeah. That's a challenge. Best case scenario for her is like around, if we are transitioning to bed at eight o'clock, we've done great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Ours, ours all go the way of the middle and the youngest have to be, we have to be putting them down at the same time. If, mm. if we're not putting them down at the same time, the one who is not being put down inspires the other one to revolt against being put down. Yeah, that's that can't be a thing. There can't be encouraging of mutiny around bedtime. Well, that's there, not there's no there's no social encouragement. It's just the reality that I hear my sister in the hallway. Why doesn't she have to go oh. to bed yet? And it's like, ah, that's when right. I get the that's when Kim usually calls me from upstairs to downstairs. Can you come help me put the kids down? Can you grab number three? And I'm like, I'm cleaning the dishes. I'm cleaning the kitchen. And I'm really trying to do anything I can to not help with that right now. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's one of those, uh, 
in our family at least, we have this discussion all the time. I'm like, there are things you're really good at. And there are things I'm really good at. And the nice thing about our relationship is we're pretty bad at the things the other one's really good at. And so That's we don't have to be responsible at all for the thing the other person's really good at. Like, you don't cook often, Kim. And she's like, no, I don't. You're a really good cook. And I love cooking. Every kid asks for you to put them to bed. So why do we split that evenly? Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's a you thing. Yeah, it sounds like that's not in your zone of genius. You know, the, the hard thing is when, when she's not home, it's, it's, it's a militant bedtime. Everybody mm -hmm. is going to bed now. It's all going right. to what we do when she's not home is we all go into number three's room. We read a book. She goes to bed. Then I take them into number two's room. We read another short book, but number three doesn't know we're reading a book in number two's room. So it's just I'm putting number two to bed and number one, and then number two goes to bed, and then number one gets her own book in her room, so she got three, two got two, three got one. Um, and we're done by like 7.30. All three kids are done. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not the case when it's when it's Kimberly, and I love her. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a waterfall book routine or something. But yeah, yeah. It's like a drinking game for kids with all alcohol. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if tonight will be fortunate enough to be early bedtime, but I'll be tired for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I want to talk about, uh, pattern interrupts and pain and, and, and identity and all the, all the fun stuff that comes from being a certain kind of person, having a pattern interrupt due to an injury and then trying to live the life that you planned for yourself. But you're like, uh, this is in the way. This is super inconvenient. And then understand what it is that finally you get to a point. You're like, fuck it. I got to do something about this. Even mm -hmm. though you, you know, the, the thing that's interesting is so many people have tried, like, it's not that people haven't tried stuff. It's that you've tried so many things and none of them have worked. And so many of them have a high level of authority that you start to actually believe this is the new pattern. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like this is just, this is yeah. just it. And so you had a uh, extensive experience with this. Yes. And, <laughs> and I want to hear about it. And, and I think it's especially interesting because both we're friends and mm -hmm. you run a company that helps people to effectively pattern interrupt how they socialize with each other, how they're servicing their clients, how they're, marketing to acquire new like all it, you're basically you've evolved to become a pattern interrupt company mm -hmm. yeah it's funny because um we always have trouble seeing our own bs you know mm -hmm. and so i've been i've been a coach for 10 years and when you and i met i had probably been i was probably two i was a couple of years in but only beginning online coaching mm -hmm. i had been coaching in person for a while when we met right. and so it's funny now i'm like fortunate enough to have a nutrition coaching business that really um helps people make a fundamental shift and take better care of themselves like quit stupid diets take better care of themselves use connection like long time sustainability you know, shifts to, to live a better life that they want. That's my nutrition coaching business. And then helping online coaches pattern interrupt, kind of like mm -hmm. stop doing the same old thing. That's not working. Um, speak to their person better, deliver better results for them, help them do that. And so it's funny because in both of those things, I'm able to do that for someone else 
Um, but in my own personal physical experience, I had a really tough time seeing my own BS until we had a conversation at dinner when we, when we met. Mm-hmm. Well, you make a lot of really good points there and you're, you're, you're just validating a thought process that I'm in right now for myself, for our company, for our clients. And before we get to that dinner conversation, uh, I want to share it with you because I think it might help. No, I want to share it because selfishly I want your opinion on it. Sure. Um, I think for a long time we've been describing our ideal RX client at Active Life. The RX client is the person who uh, online, frankly, they need a little bit of training age. And we can help you get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing out on your active life from anywhere in the world. And that's the service that you hired us for when we started working together after that dinner conversation. And for a long time, I've been describing that audience as an audience who's being underserved. It's an audience who the fitness industry um, doesn't pay any attention to. They just exploit them when they have success with somebody in this audience. And the medical industry is just asking these people to wrap themselves in bubble paper or bubble wrap and stay away from anything that could cause them aches or pains or discomfort. And so for a long time, I, I, I pictured this person, you, even if not thinking about you in particular, because if I think it did, I couldn't have gone this way, as a victim of sort, a victim of the system, and that I was advocating for this victim. But the reality is, the person who goes far enough to say, I'm going to defy these bullshit statistics. I know the doctors are telling me I'm going to have knee pain for the rest of my life. I know they're telling me I need a knee replacement. I know that they're telling me I shouldn't play soccer, I shouldn't lift weights, I shouldn't do gymnastics. But I'm not going to listen because I'm too young and too vibrant and too active to let that part of my life go away. That's not a victim. That's, mm-hmm. an, that, that's an inspirational person. And I need to figure out how to speak to who that person is because I believe um, that adds power to, to declaring yourself as one. Does that make sense? Yeah, and maybe somebody who is defying authority in some way because that's what it feels like when you are in a position where a doctor is saying something Mm -hmm. and you're like "Mm, I don't want that and Mm -hmm. you feel like you're full of it because you're either experiencing that from like a oh I'm in la la land I'm just not listening to this or maybe this you're questioning maybe this doctor doesn't know so you're in this like uncertainty but you're un willing to accept what they've said so I think the person that you're describing is maybe in searching for some sort of not necessarily validation, but a little bit of validation that you're right. You don't have to accept this and there is an alternative. So they're not quite at the point yet where they're feeling confident enough to defy everything. Cause I think there's still so much uncertainty there. You really don't know if you are, if they were right or not. What are and the, I think like, what are the adjectives to define that person though? Like what were you, what, would you consider yourself when you started? Were you, were you defiant? Were you rebellious? Were you courageous? Were you, you know, like, have you heard of the company, um, fuel hunt? Yes. 
Okay. So I don't know what they do, but I have heard of them. They sell apparel, but their thing is they don't sell apparel. They sell a lifestyle. What they're saying is if you buy our stuff, you're declaring yourself as somebody who works hard, right? Like their thing is everybody wants to eat, but few will hunt. Meaning if it came down to it, you would go hungry because you're not willing to hunt. That's, that's what they're saying. So, so effectively you label yourself as one of the few if you wear their apparel and it's like an, a badge of, of honor for being a hard worker. To me, there's the, the two phrases that immediately come to mind are like, not good enough. Like mm -hmm. this answer is not good enough for what I want. And like, I'm not done yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and those are the things that I feel like I was experiencing in that season. And I still do. I don't think that that has changed. And maybe when we like share like my background in terms of how you and I met and what I was, where I was at physically, then I think it'll make more sense. But that, that continues to be a fight. Mm. The reason I bring that up to start <clears throat> besides that I'm selfishly, selfishly, I'm working on the language um, mm -hmm. is because as people listen to this story, I think they have a choice. They have a choice of saying, that's me. I'm just like you. I'm a victim. Or they have a choice of saying, that's me. I'm just like you. I have more to do with my life. And that's not a victim. That's a person who is actively seeking for a solution. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, and I want people to be in that camp. So I guess we'll, I I'll keep working on the language and I'll keep sending it your way and saying, what do you think of this? But we met after we were at a mastermind with Jason Phillips in Washington, D.C. And we went to dinner at the Capitol Grill. And you were sitting at the head of the table and I was sitting at the corner. Like we were basically side sitting each other as if we were on a right. date. But there was a table full of like 15, 16 other people who were there. And I think 90% of my conversation at dinner was with you. Mm -hmm. Because I was just fascinated by the state of mind that you were in over what was going on with your knees. Can you bring everybody up to date with what was going on with your knees? Yeah. And so in that moment in dinner, I, I probably brought it up with, cause I knew who you were. Mm -hmm. I had seen you on your videos, like your old school CrossFit videos. I think some of the ones that had popped up were like during the open in particular, mm -hmm. you, you often did like commentary on, you know, whatever the thing was that was announced. And, and I, had, I knew who you were before that. And so I think I was more asking for an opinion. I was like, in your opinion, what do you think mm -hmm. I should do? Cause I was, I was just post injury, like about, I don't know, maybe six weeks of having competed at the American open at the Arnold in weightlifting and having pulled my hamstring so severely. I don't know if it was a, an I, I don't even know if a vulgin fracture is the right thing, but I pulled it at the insertion into my butt so bad that I couldn't bend over for months. Like I was broken and I did it mid lift. And so that's where I was, but that's not how I got there. Um, because the, the, the version the story is that growing up very active, very like I played soccer year round, multiple teams, super active kids. Sports was my favorite thing. And so that was my identity being an athlete. Like I loved school and all that stuff, but I loved soccer and I loved 
um, sports. And when I went to college, so I actually went to the Naval Academy and my first year I didn't get accepted. I got sent to, I was accepted, but they ran out of spots. So they sent me to New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, New Mexico. Okay. And I, and so <laughs> I went to Annapolis. I know. So I got, <laughs> I, I got to go to Roswell and um, again, it's military school, but it was also a junior college. It was NJC school. So I was like, where's your soccer team? I'd like to try out for the soccer team. And they were like, we don't have one. We have our very first ever women's volleyball team. And I said, I don't know how to play volleyball. I'm five, four, by the way. <laughs> I don't know how to play volleyball. I've never played in my life outside of like elementary school gym. They're like, just go and try out. I think they were just excited because it was a brand new program. They had 12 full scholarship recruits. They were super pumped. And I went and I, and I somehow in some universe walked on this team. And again, I knew nothing about volleyball. I think they considered me like a really good practice dummy. They were like, she's super athletic. She's working harder than everybody. So like, let's just let her on the team. And they used me like that. Like it was it, not in a bad way. It was very much like a part of the team vibe. Uh -huh. Didn't get a lot of playing time. I couldn't even serve overhand. I mean, I was terrible. Uh -huh. um, well, I went to the Naval Academy the next year and the same thing happened almost. So I was like, all right, I'm ready to play soccer. I was a soccer player. And I was like, I'd like to try out for the soccer team. It was a division one soccer team. They didn't take walk-ons. I didn't even get a chance to try out. So I was like, whatever, I'll just go see if the volleyball team will let me try out. So I went to the volleyball tryouts and the coach was really confused because he was like, you played at junior college. You're clearly st still terrible. Like this can't <laughs> be a thing. And he called my coach at the junior college and whatever she said validated what I, and maybe they had a spot for me. So somehow I walked on this team and they really used me to like punish the good girls really. Mm -hmm. So like, it would be like, if you don't get it together, we're going to put Christy in because at least she's going <laughs> to try and yeah. so I didn't play a lot, but again, the point of this is that I was, I loved sports. So I loved playing and, and that was when I started to have some knee pain, really just kind of like moderate swelling. Um, nothing crazy. I was still very highly capable at that point. Um, it didn't stop me from doing anything. It just was swell sometimes. So he'd send me to the trainer and whatever, but I was at the Naval Academy. So I was technically active duty. And so I got sent to ortho, um, the orthopedic office that they actually have at the academy. They have their own orthopedic surgeons. Um, and they looked at my knee and they said, you have a non-functional ACL. Hmm. So it wasn't torn. I never had any incident. No, no like thing that happened. They were just like, your, your, your knee is sloppy and your ACL is not working, which is why your knee keeps swelling. And we're going to do an ACL reconstruction. And I was 18 and again, active duty, didn't know any better. I just wanted to play my sports. So I'm like, I guess that's what we do, do it. Um, I'd had a small meniscus surgery in high school as some soccer players will, but nothing major. So I'm like, I guess do it. So they took my hamstring and did an ACL reconstruction. And I tried to go back to sports. I would try to run, I would try to do anything. And it just, my knee wasn't right. Was it worse? It was worse, way worse, mm -hmm. way worse it never went back to what it was. And so I went back to the surgeon and same surgeon. And I said, you know, there's something wrong. Like this isn't, this isn't right. And she, this was about nine months later. They said, you're a statistical failure. It happens. And we're going to do a second ACL reconstruction. This time we're going to take your, uh, bone patella bone from your good knee. We're going to harvest from the good side to use in the bad side. Patellar tendon, yeah? 
Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes. So they took the tendon from my good knee, put it in my bad knee. That was my second ACL reconstruction. Again, this time volleyball was off the table because I didn't have any skills. The mm-hmm. only thing I had was my athletic ability. And part of that was diminished now. Like I was never the same. And I would try to run. I would try to go back to the, it wouldn't work. My knee would swell. It would just be as terrible. Um, and so ultimately it stopped bending. They had to do a debridement surgery. Um, then I had, I, I went back again and I was like, it's still not right. At this point, I was just trying to commission and graduate from the Naval Academy. Um, because you have to pass certain physical standards in order to do that. So that was all that mattered Mm -hmm. was getting that done. And then when I graduated, they were like, yes, it failed again. Bad luck. You, you know, they did a third ACL reconstruction on that same knee. This time they took it from a cadaver. Um, and then I went off to deployment. So I went to my ship. Um, my knee was never right. It always hurt. It always swelled. I didn't really know what had happened. This was just all so fast, you know, a series well, of I, surgeries. I, I have a question for you. When, when you were sure. on that ship, how much of your identity was a bad knee? It was there already. It was, it was already there. It, my that had shifted almost immediately after the first surgery because I had to start saying that at school I had to start saying like I can't do the running test because I have a bad knee and I just had surgery right so I I want to dive into that a second how how many times do you think you told people I have a bad knee countless I mean and 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 how long do you think well first I, I think a lot of people right now would say I have a bad back. I have a bad knee. I have a bad shoulder. Right? Today, would you still tell people you have a bad knee? I try very hard not to. Okay, why? I'm very aware of it. Why do you you try very hard not to say, I have a bad knee? I think there's a couple of reasons. Part of that is the, the time that I spent working with Active Life was the beginning of that identity shift. I think another part of that identity shift has been doing jujitsu, which I can talk about later. I used to insert that at the beginning of conversations in which I would like feel like I needed to justify why I wasn't at the ability that I think that I should be or why someone should know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And now I've just stopped. Well, what, what, what was the motivation to stop? Because I, again, this is, this is deep into awareness because I was not aware of this even when we met or even Mm -hmm. a year or two later, but I'm very aware of it now that the more that I say that, the more I limit myself, uh, because then I make decisions based off of that identity. Even if I've just announced it to someone else, well, then I'm saying like, Hey, let's go. So for jujitsu, for example, if, if, if I have never rolled with you and I announced before we start, Hey, FYI, I got a bad knee. Like then you treat me differently immediately. We'll never be in the same position that we would have been otherwise. And I will not use that leg. Mm-hmm. And so, because I'm aware of that now, I don't say it what'll happen is if I think it's in a bad position or I'm actually going to get hurt, then I will let you know, you know, that Mm -hmm. like, Hey, we're, we got to dig a wrap there. Like that knee doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, it's for myself that I don't say it anymore. The reason I I went there on that is I think if nothing else, people who listen to this episode should take that with them. That when, when, when you start to declare that you, you have a bad something, 
uh, you start to have like your identity shifts to being a person who compensates for the bad, whatever you're describing, which means in your case, you don't experience the position that you would be in in jujitsu class. But it could be you don't go on the hike with your kid. It could be you don't go on the vacation you would have otherwise gone on because you know there's too much walking. It could be you never try surfing. Right. It could be you don't play pickup sports as an adult, and so you stop identifying as an athlete. And then when you go to the gym, you, you, you're you constantly thinking about working around it. And so there's no intensity in your workout. And so you gain weight. And when you start to look at the weight gain, you start to look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, ah, oh, this is not who I am. I'd like to get back to the body I used to have, but my knee. And you're yeah, giving up all the other stuff too. And, and the thing is, there is an alternative, which is not to be in La La Land. Mm -hmm. I, I truly have some things that are not the same as someone who has a knee who has not had the same history. Mm -hmm. But I like to address those as they come up. So to your vacation example, if you already decide in advance, you can't go because you're, you couldn't keep up because your leg would hurt. Well, then you're missing all of it. Yep. Whereas if you go and you're like, it might be an issue, but let me see, you know what I can do. You haven't announced it to yourself or anyone else. You may have to take a break. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Like you may have to say like, Hey, I'm going to have to chill tonight and like, let, let my knee the today was a big day. I might have to like chill, but like, let's start again tomorrow. So you may find that you're modifying some piece of the experience. Like you're not in la la land, but you're not missing it. And you're also seeing what you're also not living inside of the the box that you thought was possible, which is a lot of times wrong because mm -hmm. you're much more capable than you think. And there are things that, and again, this returns to my work with active life were that there were things that I thought were completely impossible that turns out they weren't. And so that, that again is not just like, Oh, well, I, I didn't think I could keep up. It's like, I just thought there were certain things that were off the table. Like what? ever having this leg be strong. I didn't think it could. Mm -hmm. So I took the joint pain and it and extended it from the knee to the entire leg. And then that whole leg was no good. Mm -hmm. So the reason that that translates into my life is because I enjoy hiking. I've done recently some mountains and working on some like bigger ones. And if that leg is weak, I can't walk down the mountain. Mm -hmm. And so if I never have to do anything to strengthen it, because I've just decided this leg is always going to be weak and not capable of going downstairs, then I'll never strengthen it. And turns out it can go down the mountain. When I, when I'm like actively strengthening those muscles, it does work. Mm -hmm. So that's just like one example. If we go back to that conversation, you were asking for advice, and I think that's very common. I think people, you know, I was I was sharing with you before we started recording that I'm I'm making a fa uh, an Instagram post that says I long for the good old days when the yellow mm -hmm. pages were a thing, and so I'm going to go to Facebook and ask for advice on hiring a personal trainer. And the reason for that is because 
everybody in the comment section is just going to say, my guy, my guy, my guy, my guy, my guy, my girl, my girl, my girl, my girl. They're just going to, mm -hmm. it, it's going to be the list of who, do, who is a personal trainer in Long Beach that I could have found on the yellow pages had I just gone to the yellow pages. And of course I'm joking about looking for a trainer. I have a place if I wanted to go. Um, but the point is, I think most people can relate to, I just need that one little piece of advice or that one little confirmation from a person of authority that validates what I want to be true. And so mm -hmm. you go and ask for it in all the different places and you either get it and then you may overcommit to something because it didn't actually have any merit for you or you don't get it and so you resign to living a different life. And I'll share an example here. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about you. Forget about a random example. You wanted somebody to tell you that you could do these things again. Yes. And so there was a, the middle part of the story is important because that was up to, I went to the Navy, had my third ACL reconstruction. I got out of the Navy a couple of years later and had had my second child at that point. I was 40 pounds overweight, two years postpartum and stuck. Like mm -hmm. not only had I lost my identity as an athlete, but now I was overweight. I was this new mom not feeling good in my skin, completely stuck in thinking that, you know, exercise was now going to be for weight loss only. And so I had lost me and I was stuck in that place for a while. And through a really good personal trainer, um, who I met a year or so later, he was not like some kind of famous influencer or anything. I mean, just a regular old, like gritty trainer, who I met at uh, World Gym or something in Maryland, you know, and mm -hmm. it and he he did the coach thing for me. So he did not baby me because of my knee. He helped me start to exercise again. He made it fun. He made me feel like an athlete. That he gave me a moment where I remember it was like my second day of going to his boot camp class. I was super overweight. I had my knee brace on. I'd already announced to everybody I have a bad knee, you know. I wanted him to know, everybody to know that this wasn't me. I was 40 pounds overweight because of my knee and like this whole thing. And it was like the second day of his boot camp class that I was at and he walked by me and I was just suffering. It was terrible. Um, because I was out of shape and overweight and in a, not a great mindset. And he said, he walked by and he goes, I see an athlete in there. And I don't know if he really did or not, but mm -hmm. like what he said hit so hard to my core of like who I wanted to be that I never stopped going. Like I worked out with that trainer for a year straight. I, he, he changed how I ate because he just gave me the straight truth. Like you got to eat differently. You can't eat all the time. You can't drink and expect to lose weight. You have to eat protein and eat enough food. And like, he just gave me the basics that nobody ever had before. It wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't a diet. And I lost all that weight and I got me back. And that was the beginning of me saying like, I'm going to be, a coach that was, he changed my life. And so my background, everything was not in coaching or nutrition or fitness. It was because of him and because of what he gave back to me. And it was funny because that didn't change the knee thing though, for me at that point, I just felt like I have a bad knee, 
but look what I did. Like I can lose weight. So you can too. You mm. have a bad shoulder, you have a bad back, you have a whatever. It's cool. Like you can work around it and lose weight. Like don't let it hold you back. So it was still that kind of optimistic mindset, but that knee was still a thing because before I, I, this is just one step backwards in the story, but it's really important is that right before I met him, I'd had my eighth knee surgery, I think. Jeez. Uh, they did my fourth ACL reconstruction. This was when I was out of the Navy. I went and saw a surgeon in Florida. He was the only one who gave me any bit of feedback that made anything make sense. He told me I was not a statistical failure. There had been a mistake in the first surgery. They drilled the hole in the wrong place. They repeated the mistake two more times. So in order for him to fix it, he had to do a two-step like big surgery. He had to pull out all the hardware do a bone graft. He did a microfracture. Then three months later, he went and did the, my fourth ACL reconstruction. And this was a year before I met that coach and trainer. So I was like in this place of like, I'm broken forever. Mm -hmm. um, and my knee sucks for the rest of my life. Uh, but my experience with, with the trainer, his name's Dante Finney he gave this thing back to me. So I wanted to do this for other people. So I started becoming a coach. And then it also introduced me to CrossFit and weightlifting. I, it just happened to be that time. And I fell in love with it because it felt like sport. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like losing weight for fit, like, like cardio machines for losing weight. This felt like fun again. And I'd taken soccer off the table. That was not a thing I thought I could ever do. So I was like, this feels like fun. And I fell in love like with doing that. I, I loved coaching CrossFit. I loved competing in CrossFit. I loved all of it. Well, I hurt my knee. Here's the first thing that happened. I got into it, loved it, was competing at the highest level that I could, and then destroyed myself in the open mm -hmm. on the last workout of this open workout. And my knee, the one with all the surgeries, would not bend anymore. So it was stuck. And I did, I mean, I didn't have a stable knee to be fair. I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing unknown and unknowable. I pushed way too far. Um, and I couldn't bend my knee for three months. And so then I just did everything else. I was like, Oh, cool. I'll do handstand pushups. I'll do everything except deal with the knee. Mm -hmm. And so then I had this come to Jesus with myself where I'm like, okay, well, CrossFit's really fun. You can still do it for funsies but we got to compete in something else, something more predictable. So let's compete in weightlifting. So I was like, okay, we're going to be a weightlifter now. And I wanted to start competing in weightlifting. So I built up the best that I could to be like reasonably competitive. Um, and I was getting better and better. And then the same thing right before I met you, mm -hmm. I was competing. I pushed it too far. I had not dealt anything with this leg. I just worked around it and then pulled my hamstring out of my butt. Mm -hmm. Um, and I met you a month later. So I was in a place where I had done, I think some, uh, some belief busting around, like I wasn't in that place where I was stuck 40 pounds overweight and thinking like my bad knee means I'm going to have to sit out of my life forever. But I was in a place where I was like, this is my bad luck, my bad deal. I'm going to have this leg as a problem forever and I'm just going to work around it. So what was your, what was your motivation then if that was your belief to work with us? Uh, I was sick of getting hurt. So and you were honest with me about it. I think no one else had been honest. The doctor in Florida was the only one who had encouraged me and said, Hey, you know, this isn't a great deal, but you can do a lot of things. You know, you're young, go for it. Um, when I hurt my knee in that CrossFit open, I saw an orthopedic surgeon in Maryland who told me the exact opposite. 
I was probably 33 at the time. And he said, your knee, it looks like an 80 year old lady's knee. You need to quit everything you're doing. You should never squat below parallel again in your life. You need to quit your job as a CrossFit coach. You need to quit all of this. He's like, because what's going to happen is you need a knee replacement now, but I can't give it to you now. So say we give it to you in 10, 15 years, it's going to fail because of your lifestyle. And then we're going to have to do another one. And that one will likely fail because they only last 10 to 15 years, in which case you won't be able to get another one because there won't be anywhere left for them to screw it in and you'll be in a wheelchair. That was literally what he told to me at 33 years old, was basically like to phone it in and be sedentary for the rest of my life. What did I say that was honest and different than that? I don't remember exactly what I said. Well, he had told me that, and I was like, again, that's not acceptable to me. I was like, that can't be my truth, and I'm not gonna believe him. Um, Sandy Buheister, who you know, was a friend at the time. She's an amazing physical therapist and encouraged me to like not listen Mm -hmm. and to keep working at it. Um, But in the moment that I met you, I had just had another huge setback. Like I was almost not believing it Mm -hmm. because again, here we were again, I was sitting out. I couldn't even pick up, you know, a piece of paper off the floor. I couldn't even bend over. Maybe that orthopedic doctor was right. Like I'm Mm -hmm. in la la land trying to do all these sports, things that I enjoy and I keep hurting myself. Um, and I think you asked me if I had ever done, I think it was very practical. Have you ever done this? Can you do this? Like you were like, can you step up with that leg versus that leg? And I was like, absolutely not. And you're like, have you ever worked on it? Like you, it was just very practical, which kind of revealed to me that there were probably things I hadn't done. And that was conversation one because it wasn't like I signed up for active life on the spot we actually had a second conversation maybe a week or two later where I emailed you and I said I do want to have a conversation about what you're offering and we got on the phone and we talked more specifically about it because my goal was to go back to trying to do weightlifting so I told you that I was going to do my weightlifting program and I would do active life as the accessory work and you told me no Mm -hmm. you basically said then don't sign up because that's not going to do anything and you can do it the other way around, but only with limitations on your weightlifting, you know, until we reach certain milestones. And I think it was that honesty of like calling me out on not having done anything to address the actual, like what I could do Uh um, that made me think that there was something possible because there was things that I couldn't control that I was very aware of. Like I could not fix it and the medical solutions were not there. Um, so then you gave me an opportunity to do something I could do. Mm -hmm. So do you think how much of an influence was the knowledge that your solution, if it was going to be with us, would include exercise, that it wasn't going to be like physical therapy laying on a table where, uh, metabolically you're fairly sedentary, but that joint is getting worked on. That's, that's the traditional rehab model. And with us, the, the thing that started active life was patients coming into my rehab clinic saying, how much is this going to cost and how long do I need to be here for? And then me asking, where else would you want to be? And they said, in the gym, on the mountain, in the ocean, Mm -hmm. wherever they would rather be. 
And so we realized we couldn't just add time to people's workouts and we couldn't give them rehab exercises in place of a workout. We needed to metaphorically medicate their workouts. You know, in a sense that the, the, the workout that you do to get yourself physically fit needs to also be therapeutic for the problem that you're dealing with at the joint level, in your case, for your knee. So that mm -hmm. it takes care of both checking the box of giving you a workout that you enjoy, that's fun, that makes you sweaty, that challenges you, and at the same time improves your knee health measurably. Mm -hmm. How much of a factor do you think, knowing that that's what the process was going to be like played in you being able to do it instead of your weightlifting program being the primary? I don't know if it's the answer that you want. No, I don't. I, I want the truth. <laughs> the truth is that I didn't, when I signed up, it didn't matter. I was willing because I was already sidelined. So I had the capacity at that point to say, like, I'm willing to do, if you had said rehab, I would have done rehab exercises. Um, but the, the work that I had to do did feel like a workout because it was hard and it was strength training oriented and it felt like that, but it was very, um, tedious compared to the fun of weightlifting or the fun of CrossFit, or I'm sure the fun of any sport that people wants to do. This was the, this was the way you get shit done. This is how you do it. You have to do when you're, when I take a thousand steps, in a, an hour, like say I go for a walk and I take a thousand steps an hour and I walk wonky because my leg is weak and my knee hurts. Well, then why on earth would I think that like seven step ups are going to make any difference? Like you actually have to do a lot of reps for you to start changing things. Mm -hmm. And so it shouldn't have been surprising, but it wasn't like a trade off that I wanted, to be honest. Like it wasn't like I would like to do this mm -hmm. strength work. I wanted to get back to the thing that I wanted to do and of I wanted course. to stop being hurt. Yeah. Of course. Listen, an athlete, anybody who plays sports, there are rare exceptions who enjoy practice more than the game. And a good coach running a good practice in, let's say, a soccer team, after the conditioning, because you have to be in shape, we're running plays over and over and over and over again. And if the ball goes to the spot where the person is supposed to be and the person isn't there, we start the play over from the beginning. Right? And it's, I never played soccer, I'm guessing. Because mm -hmm. in basketball, this is what we would do. In baseball, sure. this is what we would do. If you're an outfielder, practice is taking 300 fly balls and hitting the cutoff man with your throw. When you run mm -hmm. track, it's, Today we're working on the start. So you're literally just going to start in the blocks and explode and run your first 10 yards. And then start again. That's, that's fucking boring. Mm -hmm. But that's how you get good. Right. And so what happens is people skip that stuff and go right to the stuff that's more overtly fun without having earned the privilege to do that without risk of damaging their body. And you kept doing that. And I kept getting away with it in some ways. For a while. Because 
the reason that I felt like I was getting away with it is because I had created compensation patterns that I think allowed me to play the sport. So like in weightlifting, for example, I could power clean what was a heavy weight for me at my age and weight and like feel like it was impressive. People would say, oh, that's, you know, like that you're strong and I wouldn't use my leg. Mm-hmm. And so you get away with that for a while. And then ultimately two things, ha- one of two things happen. Either you get injured, which is what kept happening to me, or the thing you actually care about is severely limited. Because in reality, like had I been doing the active life stuff prior to starting weightlifting, I probably would have been way better. Oh, for sure. Like I wouldn't, I would have like, had, not only would I not have been injured, but I would have been better. Listen, in the same time frame that we were working with you, we were working with, actually, even before you, uh, and then after you again. We were working with a guy who took the bronze in weightlifting in Rio and then the silver in weightlifting in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even speak the same language as us. And he is a guy who, there's nobody in the world who's faster. His technique is insanely tight. Meaning good. Mm-hmm. And he had never trained this way before. And training this way took a guy who's already an Olympian and added weight to his lifts and allowed him to do it without pain and allowed him to medal two times. And mm-hmm. I, I think he's a gold medal favorite in uh, 24 in France. But the point is, he had never trained like this either. Mm-hmm. And he kept on having injuries too. And his coaches kept on finding ways to help him work around those injuries so that he could still compete. But I think his chances of meddling were very low if he kept on having to deal with aches and pains. And I think like in some ways, the like stay in the game mindset is comes from a good place because in that season, I was also a CrossFit coach. And so, and I was a head coach of a gym. And so I, and I very much because of my story cared about people being able to exercise and get in better shape and lose weight, all that stuff. And so to me, one of the like ultimate sins would be to be injured and then not come. Like, I want you to come, like come Mm -hmm. back to class. Like we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And again, like from coming from a good place, like as a CrossFit coach who didn't have any background in active life, I would just change the workout for you. (laughs) Like if you come and you have a busted shoulder, cool. We're not doing shoulder stuff today. Like you're going to do this, but no wall balls. Instead, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And so that was not just something that was in my head. It was something I practiced as a professional because the cardinal sin would be to just not participate Mm -hmm. because there really wasn't an alternative because like you said, alternative is you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you do not do that anymore. Yeah. Mama called the doctor and the doctor said, <laughs> yeah, no, don't do anymore. He's jumping on the bed. Yeah. No more CrossFit. Well, no more CrossFit and that nobody wants that. So then the alternatives show up. Don't use the broken thing. Mm-hmm. And I think more often, probably less people relate to my story more than they would relate to like having some sort of chronic injury where they tweaked it once and then it hurt and then they, it never got better. And then they kind of got better. And then mm-hmm. now it's back again. And then they had to sit out. And again, they're avoiding the shoulder it's because of the thing. Of it's always back of mind. Right. And so it might not have been 10 knee surgeries, um, but you have a thing that keeps coming up as an issue. And the solution is like 
let's just avoid it until it stops hurting. And then we'll just go back to doing what we were doing before when what you were doing before is part of what caused the hurt Mm -hmm. in the first place. It's a vicious cycle. And the the part of what you were doing before that caused the hurt wasn't CrossFit. It was the way you move Mm -hmm. and it was your, the way you avoided doing things properly. So it's not like the sport is the reason I guess it could be if you had an injury, right? Like if you had a traumatic moment, but for the most part, it's our own crappy movement patterns. Mm -hmm. Well, I had a, uh, a client who recently enrolled with us and in the consultation, I was there. She described herself exactly like that. She never had a significant injury. It was like these little things. Like she tweaked her shoulder and then it bothered her neck. And then she hurt her hip. But it was never like, I have a diagnosis, I need a surgery, I need physical therapy. It was never, none of those were ever necessary. It was just uncomfortable to work out with it and to live with it and to sleep with it. And this is a person who I knew back when she was a very fit person. And she was a member of my CrossFit gym when I owned it like seven, eight years ago. And she had gained 50, 60 pounds since then. And she said something to me that actually made me think of you in the moment because I was like, that's such a fucking Christy thing to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for you to be conscious of, right? That I, I, I forget. And it, it feels like the kind of thing that's always, you know how to relate to this. I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying you you understand this person so well and I'm constantly reminding myself of this person. She's mm-hmm. like, it got to the point that I, I, there were so many things in the gym that just were uncomfortable that I stopped going. And then when I stopped going to the gym, I started to compromise on how I did everything else because I didn't have this armor that was, my workouts are hard and I can do them so I can do this. So now it became like, I'll just do less. Like I'm, I don't want to hurt myself doing it, so I'll just do less of it. And it got to the point that she had limited herself so much that she started to count cleaning the bathroom as a workout if she broke a sweat. She was like, if I broke a sweat in my bathroom while I was cleaning my shower, I just counted it as the workout for the day. You don't need to do more. Like, that's enough. You sweat today. Good job. To try to give herself points for having done something. And then when she came in, and was interested in enrolling with us, she started talking about what she wanted to be true for her to be successful. And she was talking about being able to lift this much weight again, being able to run a mile this fast again, being able to do all this stuff. And I was like, just stop for a second. Are those things really important to you? Like, what are the things outside of the gym that right now you feel like you need to compromise on? And she was like, oh, I want to be able to put our kayak on the top of the car without having somebody else help me. I want to be able to load the tent into the car without having somebody else help me. I want to be able to go on a hike and, and, a, and a, a river ride without needing to slow down the people who are with me. I want to be able to uh, play pickup volleyball at the beach without having to sit down on the side because I'm too tired or too hurt. And she's like, I'm just, I feel like, life is going to leave me behind and I'm going to start being a burden on my friends and family. I'm not going to be around them. And she described it all the way down to that thing. And I was like, so if all of that was restored, but you couldn't run the mile because we never measured it and you couldn't lift the weight because we never measured it. Not because you couldn't, because we never measured it. Mm -hmm. 
would that be considered successful? And she's like, oh my God, that's more successful than I even think is possible. And that was like three months ago and now she's doing it. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is I think that you made a really good point when you talked about it's not going to be 10 knee surgeries for some people. It's just this insidious layering of an erosion and a compromise on the things that we can do until we're someone we don't recognize and we're making uh, deals with ourselves about stuff that we would have thought was ridiculous just a few years ago. Yeah. It's, I don't think we, nobody ever like just wakes up and boom, now you're 50 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are examples where life can dramatically shift, but for most people, it's a sequence. Mm -hmm. It's a series of things. Uh, this happened and then never quite got back. And then this changed and then never quite went back. And then I started doing this for dinner and then never quite went. It's a sequence. And then all of a sudden we end up, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. well, because it, it, ha it, it it's, it's a one after another. Because it was four pounds the first year. Right. And you were like, oh, whatever. I just, I went off my diet a little bit. It's not a big deal. I can get it back. And the second year, you're like, I could have gotten it back. And, and you didn't. So now you're at 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. It's still not that crazy. You're like, I don't love the abs anymore. But uh, we're okay. We're all right. right. I look good. I look better than most of my friends. Okay. And then it's like, I'm going to focus on my work more than on my health and fitness. So you work out less. And now it's, 15, 20 pounds after three years. And then all of a sudden, you're looking in the mirror and you're like, what the fuck happened? And now my knee hurts, my neck hurts. When I start doing things, I get too sore, things bother me. How do I ever get back to where I was before? That's, that's what I see more often than someone with 10 knee surgeries. Yeah, and you know, I've recently had a, a mindset shift around this and it's it's a tough one for me. Um, I, I think I, I literally just did a podcast on it this morning on my podcast. I, I used to believe you could go back the same way. And I even told people that I really did. I genuinely believed that you can just reverse that. Mm -hmm. You can just start to make one little shift at a time. And fundamentally that is true. That's certainly part of how I help people is making things doable but the problem is, is that when we're in that cycle of, I tweaked my shoulder, CrossFit's no fun anymore, so I'm just not going to go. So I'm going to go to Globo Gym, then it's boring, and then it's inconvenient because of work, and then work's really long, and so now I have to grab food on the way home. And like your lifestyle starts to shift one thing after another. That is a, a snowball rolling down the hill. And it happens easier and easier and easier because mm -hmm. you've already made those compromises and you've changed the identities each time. The reason that I say that it's not the same to go back and why this has been a fundamental shift in my mindset over the past uh, couple of weeks, to be honest, is because you have to decide you're going back. You don't get to accidentally end up there because those things are a series of decisions, but they're easy to make. It's like, I don't want, I don't even want to go to the gym anyway. Like, you know, like it is easier to get convenient food. It is easier to do those things. So you're basically choosing 
the easier path over and over again. They feel little, but like, again, it's those compromises, but then we've ended up in a position where we don't like where we are. And certainly we can make one series after another of choices to reverse our lifestyle and reverse what we're capable of. But these are going to feel different than the easier choice. Mm -hmm. This is going to be, I could sit on my butt right now and instead I'm gonna take my lunch break and I'm gonna go for a walk. That is not something that happens accidentally or because it's convenient. That is because you have made a fundamental shift. You need a, a pattern interrupt. And yes, it doesn't have to be a five mile walk. A half an hour is a great single step, but it only happens because you've deliberately chosen to do something different. And so then those doable steps do add up because you are on a different course. Well, now you're talking about why this person to me need, we like it's, it's incumbent upon me and active life to, to slap an identity onto the person who does it anyway, because it's, it's, it's hard. And in the beginning it's lonely. Because what mm -hmm. happens is when you start making these changes, um, the people who you've surrounded yourself with are probably not people who are doing that. And so you're going to do this stuff alone. It's, it's good. The real philosophical thing is the people surrounding you who are, are not doing it is yourself. What do you mean? You're literally looking in the mirror and seeing a person who does not do those things. Right, like in that right. beginning stage, you're extra lonely because not even yourself can validate what you're doing at this point. Right. You have no evidence yet. Right. Right. Because you're not the person you once were. So there's no evidence that the person you are now can do what you did before. Correct. And and so I, I have so much respect for people who do it in spite of all of that. And I believe... Um, the old, like when, when you look at commercials for you pick your favorite fitness company, it doesn't matter when they give their, I don't want to say heart wrenching, but when they talk about like, this is the most inspirational story to come out of this brand and whatever, it's always this person. It's mm -hmm. always the person we're talking about who overcame something really difficult. And in their business, that person is 1% of their client roster and in active life, it's damn close to a hundred percent of the client roster. And I'm proud as hell of that. And I'm proud of those people and I'm inspired by those people. And I'm that we're coming full circle to how we started the conversation. I want to be able to describe them in a way that is aspirational and influential because they are that. Do, do you follow me there? I have reverence yeah, for our client. Yeah, they want more. Yeah. They want more yes. than the doctors have said. They want more than what they think, you know, their age or their diagnosis has given them. Um, and they just need someone to say that it's possible. Mm -hmm. But the important part that I think that you did um, during our conversation, and you've always done this, and it probably comes through in active life's core brand, which I think is, I don't know, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but it's because you're so direct and honest, that's just who you are. That is the brand in a way that you're craving when you're in that broken position, because it's the honest plus possibility that feels different. Mm 
because it wasn't that I thought that the the crappy doctor who told me that I needed to quit everything and like sit on my ass for the rest of my life. I think he was being honest with me. He thought he was delivering the honest truth. Right. And then there's people who blow smoke. You can do anything. The funny thing about active life is it's, it's, it's different because it's, it is honest. You were like, can you do anything with that leg? Mm -hmm. Nope. <laughs> um, so why are you power cleaning that weight then if you can't do anything with that weight? Like it was that level of honesty, but then it was like, well, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. That feels empowering because there was no point in which you said eight at that. I think it was nine surgeries at that point. Nine knee surgeries means you're out. Like, it, but on the other hand, you didn't lie to me either. Mm hmm. And that is missing for people. So then at the same time, then it takes a certain kind of client who wants to hear that honesty. If people are listening to this, there are people who should not sign up with us. And there are people who should. Who is the person who should? Well, I didn't like what you said to me. <laughs> You don't have to like it. You have to. That's what I mean. It, it has I to compel you like to do it. something. Right. I didn't like it. It did not feel like, oh, this was the message I've been waiting for. It felt like the exact opposite. And that's why it was a pattern interrupt because it was somebody like calling me on it. And, but in a keen moment where I was in pain. So it was like, well, you're right. So if you aren't willing to do anything different, then don't sign up mm -hmm. for active life because that is what it is by definition, they're going to ask you to move differently and train differently for a little while and address the things that you've been avoiding. And so if you don't want to do anything different, then don't sign up. But if you don't like what they're telling you, that's part of what you're signing up for. Mm -hmm. If everything was going great, you wouldn't need them in the first place. If you weren't getting injured, then why would you even be on the phone with them? Mm -hmm not relevant to you, right? If you're cruising and having a happy body life, perfect. You don't need active life. Mm -hmm. But so then who should? Because you, you, you did a good job describing who shouldn't. Who mm -hmm. should? I think if you want more for yourself, both physically and what that means when it translates, if you are someone whose physical is connected to their happiness or their joy or their fulfillment, which I would argue could be anybody, but for sure, if that is you in some capacity, if you have in some way in your life connected your physical body to joy and fulfillment and you are missing out and you are not satisfied with that, then you should do this because that to me is something that I think people can tap into, even if it's been a long time, maybe mm -hmm. you haven't felt that joy and fulfillment and doing something with your body since you were a kid. Maybe that's part of what you're missing as an adult and why life sucks so bad because your shoulder got hurt when you were 18 and you tapped out. Yeah. So that's kind of what I think. If you feel like you've, you understand what I'm saying, there was ever a time and you're missing it, then it's worth doing something about it. When did you know, what you were doing with us was going to work. Cause there's no way that you knew when you signed up, you probably signed up and you're like, well, let's see what happens. 
I think because I started to be more capable. So it was very practical. Mm-hmm. And so it, it started to, my knee hurt less because my, my body was becoming more balanced and my muscles were working better because I was strengthening them correctly rather than avoiding them. Do you so remember- I, I literally had evidence that it was starting to work. In the gym, do you remember anything outside of the gym that you were able to do that you're like, oh, that's new. Well, it's old, but it's new again. Walking down, downhill. The ability to walk downhill without pain or the ability to walk downhill, period? Period. Okay. I peg leg. I still do it sometimes when I'm really tired, Mm -hmm. but I'll just walk with a straight leg. Mm -hmm. I will not bend my knee and shift it forward and step down. When you get really tired. When I get really tired. So that's your, uh, your capacity has been reached. It is because the, (laughs) the muscles are at failure. And so when the muscles go to failure, then my joint starts to hurt. Right. And then when my joint starts to hurt, I stop using my leg. Well, and that's that honesty that you were talking about before. That's, that's the thing that you need to be, consciously aware of the idea that you have now created enough strength in your leg to use your leg in all of the things that a person without nine knee surgeries is able to do without thinking about it. But once your muscles get tired, your ability to fall back on a healthy joint is non-existent. Right. And then it's donezo. And if I don't pay attention to that, then the joint gets aggravated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it hurts. And then I have even a short term setback is annoying to me. Sure. But I imagine the difference, and you tell me if I'm mistaken, is when that happens, when you find yourself peg legging down a hill, you know how you got there. Yes. And you know how to what to do for the rest of the night, what to do the next day and what to do next time. If you don't want that, is that true? Or are you still hazy on that? It's always the thing that came before it. Mm -hmm. So because now this, in this season, so this season of my fitness revolves around doing whatever I enjoy doing in the gym, which might be like traditional strength training things, less CrossFit every once Mm -hmm. in a while jujitsu, which I'm doing consistently and hiking. So when I've been doing a good job of keeping up with making sure I'm doing the boring work of keeping my body balanced, then I can enjoy like the bigger things better, like the big hikes. And so if I'm halfway down the mountain and my leg's done, I still got to get down the mountain, mm-hmm. but then I got to pay for it. So then it's like the, the really like the, the progress payoff is like the l- less of that, that happens, the better. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, I did this whole thing. I didn't even think I could do that. I did it. And I didn't like feel the, all the pain until the very end, right. as opposed to like the whole time, because I think in my case, and again, this might not be true for everyone, there is a certain degree of reality that is my knee. 
it will not bend past I don't know exactly what, but I have nowhere near full range of motion. My mm-hmm. heel will not go near my butt. Um, I don't even know if it would if I was unconscious. Doctors have told me that it will not. Like there is actual bones that have changed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. Um, I try not to think about it too much, but there are some like things that are not quite the same. And I don't have uh, any lubrication in my joint. It's full bone on bone. And it is, I don't have an ACL, whatever happened to the last one. I don't know. I didn't tear it. It's gone. Um, and I don't have much meniscus left. So there's not a lot in there. So there's like reality. That's true about my knee. That is motivating for me to do the boring work and to eat really well and to maintain a healthy body weight. Because if I do those things, I can still do almost everything I want to do. And if I don't do those things, then they start to go away. And so that to me is motivation because the, the doctor has no solution for my knee, like in other than replacing it, Mm -hmm. there is no other thing that they can offer me is what they've told me. So I have no choice, but to like take ownership of what I can do. I agree. So I think that's where we all are. Even, even if you could do a knee replacement, it's, I mean, not that you couldn't because you could, um, we're all responsible for all the things that we can do. I don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, I don't relate to, to the mindset of, I just can't do anything. And, and that's, that's why to belabor the point intentionally, the people who elect to work with us, who refuse to become a statistic, who see 72% of America is overweight or suffering from obesity, and that stops with me. The people who decide to defy all of that inspire the hell out of me. And they're the only kind of people I want to be around. So, the, so when I hear... When I hear people speaking optimistically about what could be true for them if they had a better solution, if they had a guide, if they were educated on why and how and what to do, um, I crave the opportunity to work with them. Yeah. It's funny because in each one of these circles, it almost terrifies me to imagine what I would have missed had I accepted the alternative. So had I like been that, Like, so even with Dante, for example, had I just not even been willing to try despite the the knee, I just had that double surgery, you know, a couple months before. And if I hadn't even been willing to try, I would have missed all of that. Mm -hmm. I would have missed everything to come in terms of coaching and finding that joy. And then I think about CrossFit and weightlifting. Had I thought like, and I hadn't even addressed the knee, but just like the limiting belief, had I been like, this thing means I can't do it. I would have missed all of those people, all of that fun, all of that like connection. I would have never met you. I would have never met any of these like really valuable experiences that I've had would have missed it all, all because of the knee, all because I would have never walked in the room. I would have never thought that I could do it. And so even jujitsu, which is funny to me because despite having worked with you, I still believed I couldn't do jujitsu. So again, this is like a never ending thing of like, I still have to deal with where that, what is possible and putting my own limitations on it. I thought I couldn't, I was sure that was the one thing. Like I really wanted to, I thought about it for a long time, but I can't my knee. I can do crossman weightlifting. I know what to do now to take better care of it, but not that. 
And so I had put it off, put it off, put it off. And it wasn't until I was like three months postpartum with my daughter, I was watching my kids and I had been watching them for months do it, that I was like, okay, I'll try kids class. Like I'll just do it with the other moms for a little bit. And because I've always wanted to try. And it was very much like, this is not a thing I can do because of my knee. And I'm four years in now. Mm-hmm. And I train with the the men, like the the adult, the regular class, and I have for years. Um, and it's still something in jujitsu that's very hard that I have to, you know, because again, there's things, but on the other hand, like, why do I have to decide what I'm, things that I thought I would never be able to do two years ago, I can do now. Mm-hmm. And so then it's just a good reminder of like, you don't know. Right. Well, I but think- all those people I would have missed all that learning. I would have missed had I like the growth, all of it would have been out the door. Cause I, cause of my knee. One of the things I respect and admire about you most is that you, you're able to share with an audience. I've made this much progress and it's an astounding amount of progress mentally and physically, and you still have work to do. And it's, it's not as if I used to think I couldn't do things and now I know I can do whatever I want to do. No, I still doubt myself sometimes. And the difference is instead of succumbing to the doubt and protecting myself from the what if, I subject myself to the what if and find out. And that's, that's something that I see in you that I have a ton of respect for because it's, it's imperfect, but it's, it's perfectly imperfect, right? It's, 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 it's relatable. It's, um, it's a true human experience and it's honest. And I think that today there's, there's too much self aggrandizing that goes on and people who do it, I don't even think they want to do it where it's like, I I used to be a, afraid that I couldn't do these things and now on the other side I know that was all bullshit anybody who says that still has doubt that they can do the thing that they're doing it's just that they decide to do it anyway and to hear you say that is refreshing I appreciate that 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 compliment means a lot and I think the the part that is also true is that it it still feels hard and that's what I meant about these are like active choices to move up the hill as opposed to sort of passive choices when we're just letting it all fall apart. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's still choices, but it's actively thinking to myself, like you're in the moment right now saying the thing that you can't do this because you have a bad knee, you catch yourself in it and you have to, to change it in the moment or at least call it for what it is. And I think there's grace in there because again, you don't have to say you're just being dumb. Just do it. It's okay to be like, yup, you've never done that before. Well, I think we don't know if you can, but like, let's go ahead and see what's possible. I think I like the idea of a rock up a hill because we all understand what it means for a rock to be rolling down a hill. And the thought process is, well, I'll just reverse course. Before you can start pushing a rock up a hill that is rolling down a hill, you have to decelerate the speed with which that rock is rolling down the hill. Mm -hmm. Then you have to stop the rock from rolling down the hill completely. Then you have to start moving the rock in an opposite direction. 
And so there are people right now listening to this who haven't been doing any of the things that they'd like to do or every time that they do it, there's that mental announcement to everybody, hey, I have a bad knee. So Mm -hmm. just understand I have a bad knee. There might be nothing in your life that needs to change other than you need to stop telling people you have a bad knee before you start doing things. You can still baby it. You can still be nervous. You can still be afraid. You can still stop short of when you thought you should be able to go. You can still think in your mind, I could have done this better if I didn't have this knee problem. But we're going to slow down the, the momentum of that stone rolling down a hill by simply removing the allowance of you to tell people that you have a bad name. Mm-hmm. And then we remove the next level. And it doesn't feel like everything is getting better when you're doing that. Do you follow me there? Right. It doesn't feel like things are getting better. It feels like everything still sucks. A lot like if you were a million dollars in debt and then you did a bunch of work and now you're only $900,000 in debt. It doesn't feel like you've got yourself on the other side of that chasm. But you're mm-hmm. closer. You're closer. Yeah. And people quit before they get to break even. Yeah, and it feels easier to just keep doing what you're doing. It, even the idea of changing course feels like a lot sometimes mm-hmm. because we just get too much in our own repeat days. And in practicality, that's really what it is. We like to just, even if we're in pain, it's still the thing that you do. It's the the pattern. Mm-hmm. It's very familiar. Mm-hmm. And and again, like that's it doesn't have to be a good thing to keep the fact that we keep doing it. It's just sometimes is who, what we do. And then we have to do something different. And if what we're doing that's different is even just stop saying that you have a bad knee or like I have a bad shoulder or I have a bad back or whatever it is, because you just, you already know that just saying that out loud is not helping. Like that's a really good first step. But even that one, you, you're probably going to need to like catch yourself. You're probably going to not do it right. You're probably going to catch yourself a lot. Well, that's why it's deceleration before you stop. Yeah. And, and I think really, and because I've, it, I love coaching and I really love um, helping people make these kind of changes. I think if you can't do that, then you, you haven't considered what it's costing you to not, because if it's just like, meh, I just, I know I'm supposed to say that but I didn't, you know, and you're not invested in actually making any change. Most of the time it's because you really haven't played out the scenario of what this is going to cost you. And I like that moment. Like if you're not there yet and you're like, I, I don't know, well then go ahead and just push pause for a moment and play out the scenario of this exact pattern for another two, four, six, 10, 20, 30 years. And if you are not okay with that, and you really consider what that's going to cost you. And if it's going to cost you something that matters, then you have to find a way to like push that boulder the other direction. And a lot of times we haven't even thought about that. We're just like, yeah, it'd be hard. I'll just do it later. Mm -hmm. Christy, any final thoughts for people here? I guess my 
encouragement would be um, that you you only get your one body. So we get to choose every day how we take care of it. And both from a what we eat, how we treat ourselves, um, mentally, physically, all of it, and how we deal with things that hurt. And this is your vessel. And I think it's okay. It's all right if, if you... A doctor tells you, and again, I'm not a doctor, so I guess I can say what I want, but like a doctor told me something that wasn't true. He told me that I wasn't going to be able to do anything that I wanted to do. And he was wrong. And he has way more education around knees than I do. And he knows a lot more. He gets, he gets paid the big bucks to know those things. And he was wrong. And this is the only body that I have. So I have no choice but to to choose what I'm going to do with it. And that's the choice that you have. And so it's it's not the choice between like, is is it right or wrong? Somebody said, I have this, you know, wrong with me. Like, is that true? That's the wrong question. It's like, what are you going to do about what now? Whether or not that's true or not. The x-ray says, the doctor says, MRI says, like, don't, I don't know. What are you going to do with that? Because that's really all that matters. Because again, you get the one body. You get to choose how to take care of it. You get to decide what you're capable of. There are people with less that are doing more than you, less physically, who have conquered things that we couldn't even dream of. So... You, there's always something that's waiting for you if you're willing to do something different. And maybe that's the theme of this episode is like you have to do, if you're dissatisfied with your pain, if you're dissatisfied with the potential future that's ahead of you, then you actually have to do something differently. Mm-hmm. Christy, we'll make sure people know where they can find you in the show notes. I appreciate you coming on today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Live podcast. Please remember, give us a hand, rate it, review it wherever you listen to shows. We are on a mission to humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual to live a life unlimited by the way that their body looks, feels, or performs. If you are inspired by that mission and want to jump on the wagon, find us anywhere. Active Life Professional on Instagram. Active Life Rx on Instagram. Come to me personally at Dr. Sean Pastuch. We want to welcome you onto the train. We want you to be a part of the mission. We want to offer you the opportunity to pursue this right alongside us. We're inspired by your effort, and we hope to help you in your journey. Turn broke.